Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. jokes now so will do to see just so you know um hello Don't date it well yeah fair um hello everybody welcome to rule the rouge podcast um i am jack and i'm speaking today i'm just gonna dive straight in this is a really jumbled intro but i'm gonna dive straight in and say hello tom hayward I actually do do you use that name you don't do yeah uh, i'm now using my normal name on all social channels i've cleaned up jack i've cleaned oh, you up. have oh yeah. so i don't i don't need to stop this recording and go back to no, the start again no That's that is good. my name i'm very proud um foins is still alive uh it's is in it's consigned to internet history he exists but in in our hearts and minds more than actually on twitter anymore so yeah, you can use my full name to to your heart's content. Nice one. It's uh, it's a pleasure to pleasure to have you back on, mate. If uh, if anyone hasn't uh, listened to it, I, I recorded a, a a summer special with uh, should we call, we'll call it a summer special. I quite like that with uh, Tom about what two two three years ago now was it? It was just before I got married, so 2017. Yeah, a long time ago. And uh, much much banter was had with the lads. I think we sunk a few tins on your <laughs> sofa and just spoke about podcasting in a in a in a slightly meta ironic way. But it it it, it felt good. It was like a uh, it was like a podcast version of Spinal Tap or something like that. I thought upon reflection. Do you know? think? I think the word you're looking for is indulgent. <laughs> yeah, maybe it's uh, it's not in, indulgence. Isn't something that I'm too familiar with generally, you know. I'm, <laughs> but, but uh, you, no, I know exactly. But uh, I, I can I can allow myself frivolous frivolous pleasures from time to time. <laughs> but uh, yeah, uh, other than uh, recounting on days gone by, how how are you? How are you doing at the moment, mate? How how is everything? How's your lockdown been? Uh, pretty good to be fair i I've, i'm not going to be one of those people that complains about how difficult it's been because basically it kind of hasn't i've been very lucky to work through constantly if anything i've i've probably been the busiest i've ever been um i work for a charity we need money we are working hard to make sure that the the inevitable shortfall that happens on the back of all of this doesn't happen to a, a really 
major degree so i've been working very hard in making sure that doesn't happen um you know i've not got kids we're we're not we're not having to balance uh, school work and you know and and work at home we've got our own space um to work from here so to be honest mate is i can't really complain there's people that have got a lot lot worse off than me um and you know i think at the start of this everyone was saying about the things they'd like to do and i've achieved none of them but that's because i didn't really set any uh i think one of the only things we did was we're going to watch all of the marvel films in chronological order which we managed in about late may And, and that's it really there really hasn't been much more to my summer than that so um i think football coming back was was quite welcome because i was starting to get a little bit bored of trying to work out things to do but i yeah i i'm i really can't complain it's been really really good the last few months i like it how you say you can't complain but given our whatsapp given our whatsapp (laughs) conversations you often do complain tom so yeah Yeah, in the grand scheme of things in a universal way i can't complain about like not being able to turn my laptop on or i don't know playing fifa against some 12 year old scrote who keeps thrashing me five nil that i can complain about but spa being sold out of burger bites (laughs) exactly exactly yeah 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 that's that's the sort of thing that I will I will draw a line at. Yeah, well, you know, it's fair enough, mate. You know, you got, you've got to have a line somewhere, fella. Do you know exactly. what I mean? Um, these are the adult things that you can complain about these days as well. When you're a kid, this stuff doesn't really matter. When you get older, I want crisps. So if I can't get immediate access to crisps, I get a bit grumpy. And mate, WhatsApp's like, just the first place I go to. You know, life is... Well, and it's also like... Who who'll be receptive to this? Who yeah. else is a who else is a moany, chagrinous twat? I know. And uh my my big plate face will pop up in your in your little uh icons. But um it's funny you say that about football coming back, because I was I was definitely in that camp of like, I don't want football back. I think it's irresponsible. I I'm just not interested in it either. I think it's gonna be weird behind closed doors. And then as soon as it came back, as soon as we kicked off against Manchester United, that pretty much melted away for me. And I I mean, it's not to say that I don't still have sympathy or share concerns for the players or the people on the front line, but in a completely selfish way, I was just happy to suddenly have a bit of familiarity back and just just something to, to watch that wasn't, as you say, binging something on... Disney Plus, Netflix, Prime, whatever it is that you you have going on at the moment, something that's just kind of unwritten, I guess, in a way, if we're mm. going to look at it that way. Um, yeah. All of those things that you mentioned that were concerns, they were all true. They were all true when football yeah. came back. There was no, I don't think anyone looked at it and thought, you know what, just because it's back on TV means that the right decision was taken. Uh, ultimately, I still think I don't think it was particularly responsible to do. I don't think there was necessarily a need for it um, in any kind of financial sense. It felt very much like a fulfilment of contracts and stuff, which I get is important for any business, but which is what football is. But I still think that it wasn't the right decision to do. That said, having football on once every two days and, you know, Saturdays and Sundays, having a game from midday till literally nine o'clock in the evening, at the moment, there was probably people out there that, as I mentioned, who were probably having it worse off than I was 
who desperately did need something like that. And so you can't really complain with the results because ultimately we were, we were ended up with the same products as we would have done had fans been there, except Liverpool didn't get to lift a title in front of them, which, um, you know, swings and roundabouts, mate. <laughs> but you, yeah. you would have felt differently if Spurs were, were playing differently. That's the thing. I, I wasn't too fussed because I didn't want Spurs back in my life. I wanted football, but I didn't really yeah. want Spurs. No, no, I, exactly that. Exactly that. Um I mean, on Spurs, what's your sort of take on the end of the season? Because, you know, everybody, everybody's got one, um, like a bumhole, you know. <laughs> uh, but were you overall happy with Mourinho or, you know, not really? Uh, I don't... Uh, I think the, the best thing we can say is that the end of the season was so weird that... It is very difficult to draw any conclusion on Mourinho and on the team as a whole at the moment. I think all we know is that the club in general right now is in a very... uh, Toxic's too strong a word, but it still feels as if there is some lingering bad feeling from what started as maybe contract situations for certain players. You look at Ericsson... um, Probably not so much for Tongan, but, you know, that dragged on and Alderweire dragged on as well. Rose made noise about leaving. Walker did end up leaving. And just from that kind of two-year spell, we just seemed to be on the slide a little bit. And all the things that made Pochettino's team great just kind of melted away a little bit. And a lot of that came with the success that we, or the relative success that we got. So... To, it, that's very difficult to lift that kind of funk and stench away from a team and a club. And I think the new stadium plastered over a few things, as did the Champions League run. You know, um, not to belittle it, but they were. It was a series of miracles that got us through that that Champions League run. Probably would never be repeated if we were put in the same circumstances again against City and then against Ajax. But in general, the club has felt a little bit stinky, a bit eggy for a, a couple of years now, <laughs> you know. Um, so it, the whole Mourinho thing just almost feels as if it's a bit of, it's the tin hat on top of that. Um, it, he didn't have a great hand to work with. He does, he hasn't, I don't think he's ever come in halfway through a season at any club. So it was always going to be difficult to draw conclusions. As for the end of the season, fine, Um I don't. I, honestly, I don't think I can put any more to it than that. I think he's still working out who he can trust and who he can't. I think it's a small squad anyway, a very lopsided squad um, that's probably got more lopsided with him making maybe some final decisions on a few players. Some players stood out. Kane got back to fitness, bit, back to a bit of form. Apart from that, mate, I don't know if you agree, but I, I just I haven't really got the energy to make a conclusion on it. I, I don't think it has much bearing on next season or the start of next season, really, just because of the weird circumstances we're still in. So happy enough, Europa League, top six still. It, it could have been a lot, lot worse, put it that way. If COVID hadn't have happened, as glib as it sounds, but if COVID hadn't have happened, I think we would have been bottom half. <laughs> we were fucking dreadful. Yeah, mate. probably. I mean, we were not far off a sort of relegation form, right, for a while. Yeah. Um, we only finished three points above ninth, I think, in the end, maybe less than that. So there's no reason to think that without Kane and without Son, who who have both been back since the restart, there's no real reason to think that we wouldn't have continued the slide and ended up 12th, maybe. 
sounds crazy, but I don't I don't think it is. I think it was very realistic. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, I mean, sort of picking up on some of what you've said there, I think there's, I don't know, there's a big and complex Venn diagram, I think, at the moment, is the way I kind of look at Spurs. And it's, I think, ultimately, at the moment, in a, in a really strange way, I felt like I've kind of enjoyed the fact that I feel less emotionally attached to Spurs now as a result of that, as you call it, eggy smell that there is about the place. Um, it's kind of almost like acting like a, a sort of double negative in a way that's making me quite just enjoy watching football again. It, it Only in so much as when we're at the pomp of things with Pochettino and we had sort of different grabs at the sort of promised land that has never been open to Spurs. I mean, I think we've always reconciled the fact to Spurs fans that for the most part, we're going to be a team that's going to lift a League Cup, make a fist of the FA Cup, maybe get a Europa League here and there, and then be happy just seeing us playing in the Champions League every now and again. But expectation and just, I guess, what Spurs were as a football club the perception of them at least got so skewed by not only the sort of like the, the wonders, I guess that Pochettino worked, but also the fact that he, I don't know. It's, it's, I don't really like to say he was lucky, but I mean, he was probably a bit lucky in inheriting some of the players that he did, namely somebody like Harry Kane. Um, and it's not to say, again, it's not to take anything away from the way in which he managed the team or the way in which he nurtured Harry Kane's development and career. But whatever it is, Tottenham became something of a phenomenon that I don't think any of us really ever imagined we'd really ever see. It's something we always dreamed of, you know, that we would just miss out on the league title and that we could be the type of team that was playing the sort of football we were in 16-17 and turning teams over left, right and centre and then, lo and behold, last season making a Champions League final. And it, it, to me, like as a, on an individual level, on a human level, that sort of strange feeling of like, oh my God, we're nearly there and... I'm so terrified that we're never going to see <laughs> this happen ever again in my lifetime. Please, God, just let us get it this time. Just whilst we have this little window, please, please, please just let us maximise. Please, I, I don't care. I don't nurture these ridiculous aspirations of let's win more league titles than Arsenal or Liverpool or the, you know, all these sort of concerns that teams like United and Liverpool, like Liverpool or United fans making fun of one another for only winning 19 titles or mm. this or that, or, you know, I, I, I know, I know within like the pits of my very being seeing Spurs win the Premier League once or winning the Champions League once, I know I'd be set for life. Like I, I just know. And it's not to say I'd never be unhappy about us losing a game again or anything like that. But I know there's almost just that little bit of you that's just like, 
even in your darkest hours as a football fan, you can sort of rest back on that little mattress of, oh, well, I've seen us win one of the big ones, you know? It's um, a good point because it, the, I think there's something that's never really been considered, even by myself as well, until you were saying that. But let's say we did win a league title. It, at the moment, that would be a, more in line with Leicester's fluking of it than any big team, Liverpool, City, Arsenal, Chelsea, United, whoever else, winning the title now. It would be more in line with what the fuck, how on earth have they done that out of nowhere winning a title than it would be, well, they're a you know, top six club, they've bought well, good players. It's, it goes hand in hand that they win a title. We are, I don't, we are I don't still think it's a long quite way there. I don't think it's, it's not, quite it's, there. Of course not. Of course it's not. But it's way more in line with that. I know what you mean, yeah. It's, it, it's, you know, it's, more, it's more like the kind of Liverpool 2005 Champions League. It wasn't the, the greatest only... teams, but there was a collective there that, that kind of put... They, they won that Champions League on emotion alone, that 2005 Champions League. And that kind of felt like what Poch was doing for us between yeah, 2015 and 2018. So it was like almost... He's made something that we all care about so much that it's almost impossible to feel as if that that emotion won't be rewarded. You know, I think the, only, a... the only ridiculous thing I do have on that, mate, and it's, it's again, it's the Spurs fan, it's the dreamer side of me. There is that little bit of me that thinks, like, regarding next year, and don't, don't get me wrong, my rational mind tells me that we are obviously miles off of City, Liverpool, so on and so forth. But when you look at kind of Premier Leagues of years gone by, and it's mostly, annoyingly, the only club I can really sort of attribute this kind of phenomenon to is Chelsea in the respect that, like, if you think about, like, the Conte Chelsea, for example, everyone had kind of written Chelsea off as a force, much as they are with Spurs now. But were Spurs to go and somehow, you know, I'm burdened from a bit of expectation of being the sort of team that's going to mix it up at the top uh, with Mourinho kind of unburdened a bit from, again, the expectation of being a top-class manager. Were Spurs to just suddenly become really clinical and nasty and grind out a league title next year, there almost, I feel, would be that element of, oh, wait, hang on. I mean... <laughs> they do still have a World yeah. Cup winner in goal. They do still have Harry Kane up front. They do still have Son. They do still have players like Lucas Moura, who would, as much as we kind of, you know, malign him, would probably walk into most Premier League sides. If, say, like Ndombele starts playing, if, you know, oh, does, yeah, exactly. But there are, there's a lot of ifs to it. But then it's also one of those things that you could tangibly see looking back in hindsight that or in foresight uh, uh, a hindsighted foresight whatever, yeah the, I don't know. the one thing i'll i think i don't necessarily agree that it wouldn't be a kind of bolt from the blue and i know that wasn't really your point but to kind of add weight to that and this is something that i've felt for for quite a while and probably why i'm not i'm not overly fussed about how things are at the moment it is eggy but it's, it, I just don't care enough to really get too bogged down in it. And 
since 2004, I'd say, I'm a big believer in in clubs and teams going in cycles. And I don't think it's a particularly revolutionary thought, but I think for Spurs in particular, it's a real, there's almost a scientific element to, to how cyclical we are as a team and as a club. And every three to four years, we have this one season that is just like pathetically bad, yeah. like just just like what the fuck are you all doing like how can you all let this happen and so you know under Yol, we reached europe and then we had the ramos years when we i think we finished up like 14th and i know he only took over halfway through and he won a trophy but still then we had the red nap years and 2.8 games suddenly we pick up and we go into europe Two years later, in January, we've got a toe in the title race. We lose to City and it all drops off. AVB and Sherwood is a bleak period. Pochettino takes over, it builds up again, and we loop back round. And every time we've reached the pinnacle of each cycle, if you look at that as being Yol, Redknapp and Poch, that height has been a little bit higher. It's been European football, which led to top four. And top four was like a standard under Poch and it still is it's considered the what is now our bread and butter I imagine a lot of our business and uh, like business continuity and budgeting is based around being in that competition which I think is why there was celebration around making Europa League just because it's more more coins in the pot but every single time we have a height it's a bit higher than the last one and so if you look at all the ingredients that we have, as you mentioned, we've still got these players. We've still got Kane. We've got supposedly this manager that, that is used to managing at that end of the scale. We've got this stadium that is befitting of a big European team. The next cycle, it's not a perfect science, but the next cycle, judging on what we've seen so far, could be that final jump. It's the biggest jump, but it could be it. And that's just the nature of what we are as a club. Exactly. And every every low point has been higher than the last low point as well. So when we talk about cycles, you know, coming sixth 10 years ago, well, God, 10 years ago is 2010. But you, you know what I mean? Like, you know, coming yeah, yeah. sixth was seen as a bit of a disaster. And it is a bit of a disaster in, for all the reasons that I've just said in terms of budget and status and all of that. That stadium, Kane and whoever else belong in the Champions League. But it's not it's not the days when we're we're finishing 14th because the team falls apart or we lose players you know we finished 14th under under uh ramos and redknapp i think because we lost Kane and berbatov and then we lost modric and bale this team has lost players but a lot of them are because they've just kind of aged and given up and that team has disintegrated but there's no reason to think that if we don't if we replace well enough and it doesn't matter who they are they don't need to be big signings they just need to be the the right attitude and the right hunger if you like to to take that step maybe that's the springboard I, I wouldn't be massively surprised if we win something in the next couple of years it's just we had a taste of all of all of it didn't we we, we had a, it felt like every single game was so important under Pochettino for those two years we were in the title race exactly and, and it losing was just so that crushing, felt, wasn't yeah it? it was it was it was heartbreaking to lose to West Ham away or, um, you know, all the other sort of disappoint West Brom at home, all of that. They were crushing. And whereas now you kind of feel as if, meh, you know, it's kind of what we do. But I'm still pretty hopeful. A couple of years, there'll be something built again. 
It may I not be with Mourinho, but there will yeah. be. No, but I, de- I definitely agree. I was talking to, uh, I think it was Spooky I was talking to about this not lo- not long ago. Um, and it's, it's touching on that point you were saying there about the cycles and how each cycle just incrementally kind of inches forwards a bit. And it's it's not, uh, you know, it's an imperfect comparison along the way. But if you if you consider that, you know, Yol was our Julia, then Redknapp our Benitez going on to like Poch being our Brendan Rodgers, <laughs> mm. you know, it's it's mm. not to say Mourinho is going to be Klopp. And like I say, there, there's nothing in terms of the similarities between those managers. But just to your point in that we've seen Liverpool follow that trajectory. we ha- And it's a team that we've been kind of bedfellows with for a while. Um, and they've always seemingly been slightly ahead of us even though they've had that sort of, say, downward spiral for a little bit after kind of the Rogers era and stuff, and they've had to rebuild. And potentially that's what we're looking at now, is that kind of post Rogers, post Pochettino era where we are going to slow down a bit and, you know, we're maybe going to see somebody like Arsenal jump ahead of us. But then look at what's come out the other end of it for, for Liverpool. Because, I mean, when you think about it, when you think about the end of that kind of, Suarez, Gerard, Coutinho era of Liverpool. That to yeah, even me as an outsider, and I can imagine to a lot of Liverpool fans probably thought, "Fuck, you know that was yeah. it. That was our yeah. that was our chance." You know the Gerard and they, slip and their drop off was massive as well. I think start. they finished seventh the next season, and they yeah. signed. I think it was Pochi's first season was the season after the Gerard slip year, and if I remember rightly, they had. Balotelli up front, who was a real like wild card. I, I think Poch's first. I think Poch's first half season was the Gerard slip season because remember I think Brendan Rodgers had a dig at him about spending money. Was no, oh no maybe mate, maybe it no. was a year after Gerard slip. Yeah, yeah you're Gerard right. slip was Sherwood's year. It yeah. was thirteen fourteen, and then in the because Rodgers was still because Rodgers got. Biffed and off the year after, didn't yeah, he? yeah, and then Klopp took over, and his first yeah. game was Spurs, um, yeah. yeah, which yeah, some weird symmetry going on there. Yeah, it, they were they were in dire straits not long ago. They were signing some right old shit, yeah, like just muck. Real muck, and and they had the money. They were just spending it appallingly, and um, they they've basically stripped out everything at that club and started again. And it's not an easy job. It's again, there's, it's very easy to apply like exact sciences here, but there's no real mystery in if you get a competent group of people to do the jobs they should be, you stand a better chance. It's who, who has ever, what big club has ever been in utter, utter chaos and still gone on and won the champions league or, or, the league I, I can't think of many examples of clubs that have sort of had such a ridiculous recruitment policy or had like behind the scenes nonsense with players running down contracts or you know maybe somebody to... like madrid but they're just an aberration yeah, this type uh, of thing and, and, they're, the end, and they're so powerful million yeah exactly, exactly. Yeah. and half of their stuff is is it, barcelona and real madrid that title was pretty much decided by the other team Go like 
going crazy and and being descended into chaos. You know, Barcelona were running away with the Liga this year. So there is just, it does, it feels as if it's, we had an opportunity of that under Poch. And I think Poch spread himself too thin. He, he was, he, he got the new role as manager and it, but he had to fulfill the role of coaching. He was also seemingly in charge of a lot of the sort of contractual elements of, of the team and the, and the, the first team. He was essentially a press a press manager because he yeah. was the, he was our our gateway to to what's going on inside the club and he was you know notoriously a little bit of a I mean he talked bollocks half the time Poch I, I love him but he did he talks absolute nonsense of course he did um, he was surly and he was sort of standoffish mm-hmm. he avoided basically giving any real flesh to anything in yeah in interviews and in post-match press conferences yeah i think he has always overstated shall we say his um i do i do know like a, a lot of argentinian south americans in particular actually don't have a particularly strong grasp of like the english language um i mean i i think a, a lot of people may be round with the tin foil that he speaks perfect english and he just does this kind of hammed up i i don't understand act mm. i think maybe he did ham it up a bit in places but uh i don't think it was like some grand machiavellian act um but yeah, yeah you're right like he was he he was almost like not quite as aggressively so as pep guardiola but he was definitely in line with klopp in the respect that you know klopp is often viewed as the happy smiley friendly man but People do forget, you know, a couple of years ago when Liverpool weren't seemingly doing quite as well under him, there is a nasty side to him. And I think we've seen it again at the tail end of this season. I, you know, I I think uh, they've obviously got a lot to be happy about. They've won the Champions League. They've won the league. But if you're telling me that somebody that's managed to instill a mentality in a squad of players like that isn't fucking fuming that they didn't seal like things like the record points total mm-hmm. and so on and so forth. I I, I wouldn't believe him. You know, mm-hmm. like I, I think he will be annoyed that their form did kind of tail off. And I know people will say, I'll oh, give them a break, you know, they've they've won the league. Of course the players are gonna switch off. I just I just don't think in a project like that there's room to do that. You know, people people quite rightly commented on it that if Liverpool were going to uh, kind of not really give that much of a shit about these records and such. They would have played a, a, a weakened side more often, but they weren't. They were still playing their kind of strongest eleven. I think he really wanted those those titles and what have you. But you know, this isn't a Liverpool podcast anyway, so they can fuck off. I'm sick of talking about so, them. They can fuck off. Right off, and it, it so was. It, to be honest, it was. You touched on it at the top, like. I I can't help but feel a bit of a Schadenfreude, is it? How do you pronounce it? Yeah, um, do. whatever do. it is, I'll do. It's all foreign muck in it, but um, <laughs> I couldn't help but feel a little bit of it in that, like, yeah, okay, they won the league, and to win it after thirty years and to be lifting it in that weird, empty stadium that they were so beggy and getting all these big fireworks and all this kind of shite around it it just didn't make up for it did it like i can in the context of yes obviously spurs winning the league would have been fantastic but had we won it this year 
and that was the trophy lift. And that was maybe the one Premier League we ever see us win. You'd be fucking gutted as well at the uh, same time. Yeah. So would you not be? Yes. You already mentioned about how you could take comfort in the fact of us being shit at kind of any other point, but you'd always yeah. have that to fall back on. I do think the whole asterisk thing with Liverpool was obviously a bit of a piss take. They were, yeah, 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 yeah. they are by far the best team in the world, but by a considerable distance. I know they went out of the Champions League, but you know if you look at it in real terms, they are phenomenal. One of the best teams I've ever seen and ever yeah. watched, and and that's an unfortunate truth. So, them lifting a trophy was was a bit of a a bit of a cherry on top, uh, uh, in my opinion, and. If we won the league, regardless of how it came about, if we won it, we'd win it. I mean this more, though, from the so, just the emotional fan side of things. I, is, yeah, is more I, I know my what point. you mean. I know what you mean, and I don't disagree. I, I'm not sure I'd be that, and I'd be I'd be disappointed for the players, and I'd be disappointed for myself and and Spurs fans. I wouldn't necessarily be fuming as such i mean the thing that pissed me off about that was that when covid was becoming uh, when it was it being realized as the the threat that it was to kind of normal life and the fact that everyone was like you know hold on this is really serious this has ramifications for literally everything to do with everyday life and football was part of that they the first thing they started to do was interview liverpool fans and there was a couple outside the stadium that said something like um oh you know wait 30 years and then something like this comes along and i just thought you know what that couldn't sum up liverpool fans more or the the type of liverpool fan that really does seem to permeate through social media they have not had hard times at all we can say that they were shit in 2015 and all that but in relative terms in my lifetime they've won a champions league twice they've got to four finals they well they've even won a uefa cup or europa league whatever it was they've won more in one season when they won the, the league cup fa cup uefa cup charity shield and something else they won more in that nine-month period than I've seen us win in my entire lifetime. Yeah, and for them to all right, the league is the one, and they always talk about this romantic idea of Liverpool. Bollocks, like yeah. utter bollocks. It's they have been at best, they've been disappointed. They have not been like diddled by the universe. I mean, they really, for me, that that was like i think they deserve to have it in a fucking empty stadium let's 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 stop talking about liverpool anyway and move on (laughs) to something a lot more fun i'm sandra and i'm just the professional your small business was looking for but you didn't hire me because you didn't use linkedin jobs linkedin has professionals you can't find anywhere else including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role like me in a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort. 
so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Which is Arsenal. Arsenal have won oh, the, uh, the FA yeah. Cup once again. Um, now, that that's basically dealt us the hand now that despite finishing ahead of them that we are dropped into the pot below them on the Europa League qualifications thus meaning we now have to go through a load of uh, I think it's three one-off qualifiers to get to the group stages now uh, I get that the knee-jerk to this again is doom and gloom Woe betide, Tottenham have got to play whoever, wherever. But actually, really, if you think about it, is three competitive fixtures ahead of the start of the season really that bad versus three random dead rubber international Mm. showpiece friendlies that are staged for some dog shit? drinks yeah. brand or insurance company <laughs> I, I, yeah I, I think it's a perfectly valid question the only thing is is the Europa League whether or not you qualify for the group stage straight away or you have to do a few extra games the Europa League is a slog regardless and yeah. a lot of it is to do with playing or you will play on a Thursday night and it will impact your weekend's fixtures and you could be traveling an awful long way not always but our experience of it is you end up traveling to the arse end of nowhere and coming back and then having to play 12 o'clock on a sunday or something that's just i believe for next year um it's i think they're playing europa league games the same days as champions league games okay i I think i think you know don't that that makes sense it makes a lot of sense consign this to recording format but But then that's only probably going to mean that we'll end up playing Saturdays you know that we'll end up with sort of a similar gap but that I don't think that's the real complaint there I think you need to build a squad that's able to to cope with that sort of thing I think with a few adjustments we probably need four in but we needed that anyway regardless of this Europa League stuff and again to bring it back to the whole idea of a cyclical team cyclical club uh, club that the basis of our uh, Champions League team under Redknapp was a team that had largely played Europa League football in the two or three years before under Yol, yeah. under Ramos and, and early early Redknapp. I know he sacked it off, but but still there was that experience that was kind of lived in the squad. Um, same for Pochettino. There was, there was players that had played Europa League football the season before um, and... Again, we, we weren't brilliant in the Champions League that first season, but we learned from it. And I just think it's an opportunity to build up a few of those players. People like Kane, Son, um, probably even people like Lucas, uh, Winks. I mean, this Europa League is going to be a doddle to them for these early stages. And if they don't end up playing, it's a really good opportunity for a few players. I'm, I'd be looking at people like Skip, who... I think has caught Mourinho's eye, but I get the impression he's probably going to go on loan. But if he hasn't, it's a perfect opportunity for him. Uh, there's a there's plenty of places, in my opinion, still up for grabs. You look at the fullbacks, 
probably one of the centre-back positions. There's enough to motivate a squad member in those three extra games that really shouldn't be impacting too much of the team i don't know you what do you think i i I just don't think it's of massive consequence and i think people have made a bigger deal of it than they really need to in reality different if it's two legs but it isn't it's one-off games ultimately as somebody that's grown up never seeing spurs in europe and i've i firmly die on the hill that i'm just i just love seeing spurs in europe and i know the europa league's tim pot i know the the various different kind of pitfalls of it, but I'm delighted that we're in it versus not being in it. Mm. Um, I'd rather be in the Champions League because ultimately the calibre of teams you play is better. It's a bit more exciting. You get the music, you get the big fucking ball being, you know, the ball flag thing getting rustled on the, uh, on the halfway line before every game and everything. But, you know, for all the reasons you outlined there, I still think the Europa League is... Great, and I, I, I really do think that other than winning the Premier League or the Champions League, winning the Europa League would be absolutely incredible. Like yeah. the latter, the latter stages of the Europa League, yeah, it is a slog to get there, but the latter stages, it basically is a Champions League light. You know, the majority mm. of the teams in there are all Champions League caliber teams, so it is a real achievement to win it when you actually get to the end and also is a foothold back into the champions league yeah. because there's nothing to say that we will finish top four like the the top six top seven dare i say even top eight teams in the premier league now are all looking pretty tasty you mm-hmm. know um yeah, yeah. There's, there's yeah without there's, doubt there's going to be a slog to get there um you know Mourinho's done this before as well uh, at united he he put all of his eggs into the europa league basket and he he won it and he got them back into Champions League. And at the end of the day, it was difficult to argue with with that as a result. He, he could always point to that as uh, he's, his aim was get us back into the Champions League. There are two ways of doing that. He will take the most pragmatic approach to make sure that it's achieved, whether that be through winning incredibly easy or winnable Europa League ties up to the last eight and then starting to take it seriously and getting the big guns on. Or see how we are in the league at that point. This is where Mourinho is is worth his weight in gold. He he won't he won't romanticise one over the other. He will just look at the bare facts and say, right, what's the easiest pathway to get to the what we want? And and if that is the Europa League, brilliant. I, I'd take that all day long. I, I'd love to win the Europa League. It's better when you call it the UEFA Cup, isn't it? I'd love to win the UEFA Cup. It's yeah, a better looking trophy. It was trophy. a nice name, wasn't it? It just, yeah. it was good. I yeah. liked it. I liked that. It so just, yeah, I'm it all just, over it. It just had more. Is it? Is it? Is it resonance or assonance? What's what's when something sounds nice? You know, the whole cellar door thing, whatever it is. I don't know. Who knows? Look, at you're asking. Like, <laughs> no idea. I mean, does it? It is annoying, isn't it? Seeing Arsenal win an FA Cup again. It it doesn't it doesn't annoy me as much as I think a lot of their fans are really desperate for it too. Um I for a start I'd love Spurs to win the FA Cup. Mm. But I would feel 
slightly disingenuous if off the back of the sort of season that we'd had to have still finished below us. Like, it, it, basically, I think that the FA Cup victory has papered over the cracks of what has been uh, really um, a shamefully bad season for Arsenal. Like, a truly, truly bad season for them. And I think a lot of their excuses as to why it was so bad, oh, we've had to suffer the upheaval of Emery getting sacked. I mean, you look and think, well... What have we gone through? You know, what have Spurs? What have Spurs had to deal with? You know, and there's all this kind of chat about like, yeah, well, you know, our squad's in transition, it's in flux. So is ours, you mm-hmm. know. But at the end of the day, if all these players that you say are so great, the Arsenal, you know, your Lacazette, your Aubameyang, the Özil, who you know, we never hear the fucking end of how brilliant he is, despite not really ever showing it um, other than in very concentrated patches of seasons here and there. There's just so much that we're told is so brilliant about them, but ultimately what they finished eighth in the table, quite some distance, quite, yeah, quite some distance away from really relatively speaking Mm. to how we've been the past few years, an appalling Tottenham side. Like we we've been pitiful at times this year, and our squad is threadbare, and we've still finished above them. And I personally don't take them winning the FA Cup as a sign that they've had this remarkable, remarkably better season than we have. You know? So I I agree. I do agree. Um, and all else, I'll say two things. First of all. I reserve the right to be annoyed at Arsenal winning a trophy. And I I feel as if there's been a little bit of, as usual, it is Twitter, but there's been a little bit of policing of kind of why you bothered about what they do. You are allowed to be annoyed at them winning a trophy. You're allowed to show that. It's not against the law for a Spurs fan to be outwardly annoyed that Arsenal won a trophy. So, you know, bang away if that's your drum. But Second thing, and it's, this isn't specific to Arsenal, but it is more of a point around Tottenham. I think the reason that Arsenal's win has bothered me and the reason that those have bothered me in the last... They've won four of the last six, I think it is. They have been in steady decline. And whilst you can look at it two ways, one of them is winning an FA Cup doesn't prove anything. If you're still in decline, you're in decline. But the other way that look at it, and this is unfortunately my view on it, these are almost happening by accident. So Arsenal have reached League Cup finals and FA Cup finals and won four FA Cup finals at Redfall. And the same has happened at Chelsea. Chelsea have had bad years where they've ended up winning stuff almost just because they they like fall over themselves into a semi-final. And then suddenly it's they're in their bit of kind of like their bread and butter. The Arsenal are turning into that cup team of they know how to win semi-finals and they know how to win finals. And so I take the point, it doesn't mean anything necessarily, but at the same time to a club like Spurs, we are we are positioning ourselves as this top six club, a big club. And I appreciate that accidentally getting to a final doesn't give you any indication of a, of a team's worth or how good they are. 
but for us to not even kind of stumble our way to these domestic finals and or semi-finals at the moment is a is a bit of a not a worry but it annoys me it it, gen, it does annoy do you, me do you know why do you, can't we stumble over the line against i don't it, 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 i it i definitely do get what you're saying i do you know my because i've been thinking about this i do have i do have a take i have many takes but i do have a take on the likes of arsenal for example still managing to win things and spurs not winning stuff and I don't. I think a lot of the time, like there, there are definitely things that are a product of your own of your own making, right? I think we've obviously seen that Spurs have perhaps been too nice or something, which is the thing that's been banded around in the past. Which I don't really know if I buy so much. Pochettino was changing that culture. We were getting a bit more aggressive, but at least perhaps there is this expectation that when a player is signing for Spurs, it does come with it this weight of like, right, I'm signing for Spurs, the team that bottles stuff, the Spursy team, but I'm here to change that, that kind of thing. And I think there are a few people in the team, like Harry Kane, who just have that like hideous sportsman mentality of, I'm changing this, I am a winner, we're going to win. But there perhaps are a few players in there who are affected more by this type of thing. But I think from the outside as well, just irritatingly, even though they are kind of tangibly quite crap and that gets shown across the span of a league season, in cup tournaments, I do think sometimes teams like Arsenal can show up and the opposition can still be a bit scared of them because they're Arsenal. And they're this team that's been lauded because they were the Invincibles and they're the team of Arsene Wenger and Patrick Vieira and Thierry Henry and all these sort of great teams of years gone by. And that kind of carries with it this weight of... they are, I, I don't know. I just, I just think there's an interesting psychology behind winning yeah. and losing. And I, I think that's something that Pochettino really was trying to address with Spurs, but it's not just basically my point is too long. Didn't read. My point is that I don't think it's all just about you and what you're doing. I think it's also about the way in which you're perceived. And I do think sometimes some, a lot of teams are probably less scared of going toe to toe with Spurs than they are a team like Arsenal or Chelsea because they just sort of think, well, lads it's Tottenham do you know what I mean it's DNA uh, this this is like the least scientific point I can make of all the le- very non-scientific points that I have made in this pod but I really believe in club DNA and again like that eggy smell that can permeate through that is what it, that is Spurs in cups for now and we have this we can't do wrong for right. We can play a, a really strong team and it won't matter because we just don't have that, that almost that spiritual energy, if you like. But, but, but really, if you, if, you, if you look at it that way, us not winning cups is an aberration in the grand scheme of what Tottenham are. I get it with league form. Like Spurs have never been a league team, but 
all throughout our history, we've always won cups. Yeah. So if we, if we are thinking about DNA, then surely our DNA is that we are a cup winning side. Well, but then, you know, two cups in 30 years is, is going to, it tells its own story as well. I think DNA, in the way that I'm sort of thinking about it, is modern football. We are not a trophy winning football club. We're an incredibly well run, sustainable, high profile stepping stone for players who are on that rung of the career, who, who, who might turn up at Spurs and with the right alignment of the planets might win something. If you look at Modric and Bale, that, that era of Spurs, mm. I think we reached three semi-finals, one league cup, uh, one league cup final and two FA cup semi-finals with, with them in that team. And, you know, alongside, I don't know, Defoe and King and Dawson, if you like, um, League Cup before that, but does it not? Does it to you? Does it not feel as if we kind of have to strain every sinew and have every planet in every galaxy align just to reach a final? Let alone win the fucker. Like just to reach a final, it feels as if we have to have everything go right. Whereas with Arsenal and Chelsea. You know, Arsenal draw Man, uh, Man City in the semi-finals of, of the FA Cup. I, I could have told you that result a week before they played that game. You can, you just feel it because there yeah. is still that. And I don't know if it's necessarily to your point about teams turn up and think, oh shit, it's Arsenal. At the end of the day, it's still Man City, but they shit the bed a lot. And they, they shit the bed well, a they lot do, but in they're, cup they're football. Kind of, but the thing about City is, and this... this I think plays into my point somewhat is that city are still, because I, I still sort of see them this way. Um, is that they're kind of, for the most part of my life, city have been a team that have been like, you know, Stoke or Southampton or mm. some, you know, just to kind of meh, they're there, you know? Yeah. Um, and it's funny because I remember sort of in a, one of my jobs previously, one of the guys who was in the office, he was about sort of 18 years old, one of the interns. And, uh, you know, he, he couldn't really get on board with why I was a bit sort of like nonplussed about City when he was sort of waxing lyrical about them. And I was just saying to him, like, well, just to, just imagine now if I told you in 10 years time the I don't know, Wolves, right? Who Wolves are now? Probably a comparable size team historically to what city were pre mm. you know yeah the money era if if wolves now in 10 years time were winning league titles being centurions being talked about as one of the best teams in europe yeah and this is this is prior to wolves being even what they are now this is two years mm. ago would you believe me? And he was just like, no. And I was like, so, and even if they were doing that, would you look at them as a team that was on par with a Barcelona or a Real Madrid? And he was like, no. And I was like, well, that's, that's kind of how I see City. And yeah. even though I know that rationally speaking, they are a brilliant side. They're again, one of the best sides of all time, probably, especially as like the Centurion year and the year after that, they were absolutely phenomenal. Um, but there is still that kind of funny thing of like, you're just Spurs with money. Yeah. Like that's 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 who you are, you know. And like you, I guess like you're saying about DNA, there is. 
I think they still shit the bed a bit. Like, yeah. re- regardless of VAR and however they wanted to spin it, they should have fucking had us in that quarterfinal. And they yeah. absolutely shat the bed in yeah. that game. Guardiola shat the bed in the away leg. They should have had us at, they should, probably should have had us at White Hart Lane. And they absolutely shat the bed in Manchester completely. Yeah. You but know? they'll they'll never they'll never go hungry again because because of the money that's been injected. But it, it's impossible for them not to win the odd trophy because of the money that they've injected. Yeah. But it's that's very uh, Chelsea are up there as well. But they've had they have had horrible seasons where they just stumble and before they know it they're in like a semi final. Yeah. Whereas for us, it feels significant to reach a semi-final. Well, look at the fucking year they they actually won the Champions League. Well, exactly. Right? Yeah, it was that was on a par with what our run was. That was, was literally a drunk bloke stumbling <laughs> in the casino, sticking his life savings all on red and managing to win. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Like, yeah, it was. Yeah, and we were the guy that they walked out and kicked in the bollocks on their way into the taxi. <laughs> you know, it's they are. I mean, they are the cesspit club that will, you know, what will survive a nuclear blast? Cockroaches and Chelsea Football Club. They're just rotten, and will never ever. They they will never suffer again ever. They just don't. It's not again. It's not in their DNA. They just land on their feet, don't they? They more, do. More than any club, I think I know, they land on their feet constantly. We are we are the universal yin to their yang, hundred percent. Whenever it looks, and that's why this season, when everyone was saying, "Well, transfer ban," you know, Hazard leaving, Lampard's inexperience, he's coming in, as if they were finishing anywhere else other than third or fourth. Like, yeah, they nailed on from day one. Because that that is what they do. They they are the weed that grows out of the swamp every single time, and and they're cyclical. They're another one. They 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 have seasons where they drop off massively, and it all looked woeful. You know, under Mourinho when he left them, they were fourteenth, something like that, weren't they? That they were dreadful. I think that was the year that Leicester won it. Um, that they are they are another one that just accidentally find themselves in positions that are like oh shit if we win today we win a trophy you know what i mean and that for us yeah. just feels like we're still at the stage where a showpiece final could genuinely be overwhelming and i don't really count the champions league that is a an unbelievable achievement to reach it and especially in the circumstances we did um i, I wouldn't I, I don't begrudge spurs losing that we lost to the best team in europe but just feels like an FA Cup final against, I don't know, as you say, Wolves. Uh, no way I'd back us in that. No, no, absolutely. I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't even play. back us if if we got to the final. It would be the year that a League One side got to the final, and you <laughs> you know what's coming. Yeah, you 100%. know what's coming. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. It's Tottenham against Northampton Town in the FA Cup final. I I, I wouldn't even want to watch it. Yeah. you know, because you know what's coming. DNA. You know it. You know That's it. That's what I mean. That's what I, I mean. So I guess on this, what does what is success for Spurs? Because Pochettino was, you know, often criticized. One of the main things he was criticized for was being pretty upfront in saying that the FA Cup and the League Cup were not important. That finishing in the top four nowadays is more important. I mean 
what 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 do you think about that? I mean, like, would you be happy next year to see, as we've said of Mourinho, to see him just chuck all the eggs into the basket of winning? Let's say the FA. I'm not even going to entertain conversations about the League Cup. League Cup to me, I see it disbanded. It would be a great day out if we won it. Don't get me wrong. Uh, you know, it might be if we win it next year, people will see this as some gotcha moment to be like, ah, you said it should be disbanded and you've won it. But, I, you know, I don't I don't deny the fact that I'd be happy were I to see us win the League Cup at Wembley and have a good day out. But it's not a mark of any sort of success to me. Like, it's it's a bit better than winning a pre-season tournament. <laughs> I honestly think that. Like, I, I, I just don't... I don't see it as even, like half as valuable as winning an FA Cup. An FA Cup, to me, is still a legitimate major success, really, and especially for Tottenham, it would be. Do you think in order to address this kind of DNA thing now that we do need to just see it as we have to, this needs to be a priority more so than finishing in the top four. I mean, we always know the club's priority is going to be finishing in the top four because it's a financial one. But in the grand scheme of things, do we just need to win something big? And I, I do still count an FA Cup as relatively big, really. Mm. No, I don't know, mate, really. Uh, I, I think we've gone back and forth on this for so long that we've kind of existed in this state of not knowing what to do. Maybe not the club, but I think the fans have been split on this for so long. And I think Poch's point was always, you know, it wouldn't prove any worth to win the FA Cup or the League Cup. And uh, I think by and large, most of us agreed with that. We knew, and, and as we've been talking about, Arsenal winning an FA Cup doesn't discount or doesn't take away from the fact that they've been steadily declining. But I think, again, it comes down to the... They they have got themselves into a position where an FA Cup final or a League Cup final, they can reach that without really breaking a sweat, without really thinking, you know what, let's let's go hammer hammer and tongs for this. Whereas it feels like for us we need we'd need to do that. We'd need to make it a primary focus in order to win it or get to the final or whatever. I, I feel as if there's a parallel universe somewhere where in Poch's first season in that League Cup final, we beat Chelsea. And then the season after, we are, I think, did we get to the semi-final that year? No, the year after when we lost 4-2 to Chelsea. Yeah. The year after at Wembley, we win that semi-final and we go on and win the FA Cup final against Arsenal. The year after that, I think we got to the uh, semi-final again. Yeah, United. United. And lost Dembele. after going ahead. Dembele, so, the person who you least expect to lose the yeah, ball. Yeah, all that stuff. There yeah. is a parallel universe that believes that we win yeah. the, the League Cup in Poch's first year and we win the Champions League final that we got to last year. And again, I'm not talking exact sciences here. But, well, but mate, if you a... believe some types of science, that this is actually true. There are There is a Jack and a Foynes somewhere speaking about Tottenham's heroic Champions League success yeah. last year. You know. Yeah, this is it. And uh, cunts. Uh, yeah, what, what smug, Arthur hairy cunts. I bet they're really, really thin and like 
well looked <laughs> after themselves as well. Fucking arseholes. Um, no, look, and, and me and Dan used to talk about this on the pod a lot because every cup game we used to talk about this every, without yeah. fail. You know, it was a weekly pod. You you would have talked. You would talk about league cups and FA Cup games, and there was never much enthusiasm. But the debate always happened, and the thing that was always brought up, and funnily enough, Mourinho's name was one of the names we always brought up in this conversation because he followed what I believe was the Brian Clough model of look, win a trophy and it teaches your club and your team and your players what's necessary to win a trophy. And I think Mourinho did that at Chelsea. I think he did it at United. I think it's... He operated. Sorry, I've just dicked about with my microphone. Can you hear me? Yeah, it dropped out. Sorry. Sorry. Um, So, and it's funny to think of him now as our manager, as the... This is why that the whole cup specialist and the the um, uh, the born winner or whatever it is 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 really feels like a bit of a roll of the dice from Spurs. Almost, if this guy can't do it, then there is something inherently wrong with this They've football. Been doomed. Cup. It re- it feels like it in a way, which yeah. is a wrong way to think. Mourinho, by all there's as, as many schools of thought to say Mourinho is a busted flush as much as he is still a, a top class manager and the jury's out and that's why I really can't lend enough energy to think about it too much at the moment because it's just too it's too early but you do wonder if that was the club saying or if if Levy I, I get the impression that Mourinho was a little bit of a ego um, appointment from Levy he was turned down 15 years ago and I get the impression that he's always had his eye on him and thought if if the opportunity's there, I will get him one day. And that's he's he's got himself a six pack and he's gone back for it. He's gone back, yeah. I mean, the the six pack's a bit more of a gut. Uh, I mean, it's it's as much of a gamble for Mourinho as it is for us to employ him. So maybe it will be a a perfect meeting. But I, I just wonder if Levy has thought, you know, what the last little piece of the puzzle from all of this is something to say we are a cup winning team because it, it doesn't matter what the cup is and it and i don't think any, all the barbs get to him of the you know stick that in your trophy cabinet i don't it doesn't bother him it, it wouldn't do but you just wonder if he's got this kind of this will shut people up yeah, what because what that's the the main thing that people can point to to him now it used to be there would have been a you know you've got ideas way above your station to think about getting Champions League. And then that was the norm. And it's all, you know, what the tiny little old fashioned stadium still only holds less than 36,000. And that gets sorted. You just wonder if this is the next thing to be ticked off the list. And if he's just looked at the, the path of least resistance to get towards that. So to be honest, Matt, I can't remember what your original question is. I think this is just thinking out loud on it, but I, I don't think we need to. I just think that, we now are at the point where we really, really want to. Do you know what I mean? Like, I don't think it would change anything if we won the FA Cup that season or the League Cup or even the Europa League. I don't think it changes anything massively, but it's something for us to tick off the list and for Levy to tick off the list. Maybe. Could be completely wrong. It, we might go hammer and tong for top four next season, play the kids, go out of all the cups early, but I just don't think... That's what Mourinho does. And I think he likes to keep as many doors open as possible for success. He did it at United. You know, he, he didn't have a great season in the league, but he still was able to say, I won the Europa League. 
and he didn't have a he came second i think once didn't he and it, he yeah. won the league cup always he's always got something to fall back on and you can take the piss when he's at other clubs now he's at us i think we just have to ride that train and be happy enough if it happens i can't see it i don't think we're good enough i think we don't i don't think we have a mentality built in the squad and for all the will of the world that Mourinho has to to change that i think he's not working with the best of groups um as it is currently but i yeah i don't think it it makes a huge amount of difference to to who we are and where we currently stand um no, it meant more to reach the champions league final than it would to win the last at five fa cups for example in terms yeah, of what we want to so. do as a club so but at the same time there's this thing that nags in the back of my head is thinking you know you can read so many stories of clubs that are like a real what happened whatever happened to and you you can almost read this opening paragraph of the guardian article now you know in, in 2019 spurs had just reached their champions league final with you know, england's captain and france's captain and um you know a young vibrant team that blossomed and, and got themselves to the final and a kind of whatever happened to and then it reels off the the roll call of errors and players sold and things that have gone wrong uh, and you just think that really could be us there's no no reason whatsoever to think that we aren't going to drift back and be a eighth ninth place team who doesn't really win anything and just drifts from season to season and i know that's in direct conflict to what i said at the start about being cyclical but there's every chance that that's another pathway we can well, take. Like you say, that's it. On the on the flip side of that, there's the, you know, Tottenham were on the on the verge of the precipice of glory. Then they peered down the precipice, but they came back, and who knows, you know. And I, I think that's kind of maybe what I'm relishing a bit about Spurs again at the moment. There's an air of unpredictable unpredictability about mm. it all that. I don't really know what we're going to look like next season. I had no idea what we were going to look like post uh, post lockdown, um, and we looked all right. Harry Kane is yeah. looking like Harry Kane again, um, yeah. and he's yeah. You, you, I just don't think we can ever, ever, ever overlook just what. A phenomenon the guy is I, and I, I will probably make a point of saying this every single time I record a podcast but just just for some context like I've been working on a, a piece for work um, across this sort of week looking at a history of goal scorers and you know these sort of big names in in football who have always been known you know Andy Cole, Robbie Fowler, Alan Shearer, Michael Owen, so on and so forth. And when you just kind of look at even when they were in their pomp, so because the the sort of point being that Kane is often held up alongside these guys and people will say like, well, you know, Fowler started off brightly as well, but tailed off. Well, if you actually look at kind of pictures across Fowler's career, the reason quite clearly why Fowler's career tailed off is because he discovered a point in his mid-twenties when he just preferred beers and fags to football. <laughs> yeah. And and you, you can quite clearly see him from being this young, energetic, athletic, incredible like goal machine to somebody who then came back from summer 
a fat, red-faced <laughs> man who just looked unwell. And that's why his career tailed off, because he couldn't be asked anymore. Harry Kane isn't that player. But that sort of stuff aside, just the sheer numbers that Harry Kane generates, I think, again, it will be one of those things that's only really appreciated perhaps 10 years after he's retired. If you, if you look at this season, he's been a quarter fit, probably. A quarter, mm-hmm. at best, a half fit. He's been playing in a largely dysfunctional team, yet has still just capped like a cool mm-hmm. 18 Premier League goals. Mm-hmm. He's, just, he's just got himself 18 Premier League goals. Now, for some context here, Michael Owen... Who, yeah, okay, there is always a bit of a caveat over a career such as Michael Owen's, but still widely considered to be one of the Premier League's, if not one of England's greatest ever strikers. Yeah. His record Premier League total was 19 goals. Mm -hmm. You know, when you look at kind of, I mean, Henri was a phenomenon, so you sort of discount him and... I appreciate that Drogba gave a lot more to his team just than goals. But even if you look at someone like Didier Drogba's goal-scoring record, and perhaps it's a it's a poor example, he was never really an out-and-out goal-scorer. But still, his numbers, they just pale in comparison to somebody like Kane's. You know, Kane's, Kane's an absolute phenomenon. And I digress slightly, but no, I just... No, look, you talk about DNA, and that's a really good, really, really nice way to, to, to sort of signify how how it can be true of players as well. You think of Arsenal falling over their feet and still managing to win an FA Cup. That's a very good way of describing Kane's season up to, up to the last few weeks. He, he did not look fit and he had a dysfunctional team around him and he wasn't right. But it's in his DNA to still get 20 goals a season. That's, that's just who he is. That's his makeup. That's, that's a goal! <laughs> that's a goal! Um, that's it, though, isn't it? That's what he, that is what he does, he loves it. and he will. I've, there was a somebody was doing. There was a video on Twitter the other day, and it was like, a, you know, where they do like a a roundup of somebody's season, and he it showed um, Kane's sixteen seventeen year, and he got injured really early against Sunderland. I think it was only about the fourth or fifth game into the season, hurt his ankle, and he came back against. I think it may have been Arsenal in the derby actually, and he ended up scoring a penalty i think but anyway he was on like four league goals by december and then from then on he just literally could not stop scoring he was getting hat tricks and that was the season where he was getting um he got like seven hat tricks in a calendar year and in the last two games against hull and leicester he got seven or something he he will have moments where you look at him and think not too sure about this anymore and i'm so guilty of this i look at him just think this guy is potentially broken and it, you you realize how much that he is a phenom- phenomenon because you realize that actually he is still human and he has a body that is fallible and has failed him a few times but all he needs is that run of games that that Leicester game the, apart from the two goals that he scored but the, you know the pass to son that is the cane that we knew of two or three seasons ago and, and that but, is even the finish against Palace, like it's so understated, but it was yeah. fucking incredible. Yeah, definitely. You know? Could have had a couple against Arsenal as well. Um, two good goals against Newcastle. He 
I, I didn't write him off necessarily, but I looked at him just thought, I, I did wonder, are we ever going to get the same cane back? And then you realise this this guy just needs four or five games back to back. And that shows you when people were having a go at Mourinho for playing him for 90 minutes against United and uh, West Ham. Do you remember he, he, he scored yeah. that West Ham game? But he looked shagged. But you just think, <laughs> you think that that's how he needs to work. When he's back from injury, you play him in every game because you know at some point something's going to click and then there's no stopping him. So that that is a real plus point for next season. You keep that guy fit or you put the right things around him and just wind him up and watch him go. We could be looking at another 30-goal 30, 30 season. I'm, I'm, I'm saying it, mate. 35 league goals to Harry Kane next year and we're winning right. the title. That's it. That's I'll it, take, mate. I'll take that. Yeah, that, that's have that up your DNA. <laughs> stick, stick that up your DNA. Stick that up your mitochondria <laughs> or whatever they are. <laughs> um, that's, that feels like a good place to end it, mate. But it's it's been a it's been a pleasure having you on. Um, I didn't I didn't give it a shout out at the top end of the podcast, but you are. This is Tom Hayward of the Tottenham Way fame. Um, he can be seen, sort of basically saying angry things on Twitter from the Tottenham Way account that Dan Kilpatrick likes to not associate himself with. <laughs> um, yeah. Which is fair just... enough, considering most of the shit that goes out of there. It's always a hot take machine. And uh, look, that's the re- half the reason I got rid of the Foynes account. I just kind of got sick of our... You couldn't have a nonsensical, angry, weird rant without people chiming in and going well actually if you if you look at the the data and the the that meme you sent me you know the the (laughs) fat bloke with the glasses yeah actually yeah yeah. you know it's not fun anymore i think that's the thing that i'd like to inject back into spurs if they can just make it fun again and if that means that there's nothing riding on games it's just a case of you go and if we win we win if we don't we don't I'm all for it again. Bring that back. I miss that, Spurs. Stop stop having so much riding on everything. It's fucking awful. It's painful. Sorry, that was a, that was a, ruined the uplifting end to the pod, didn't it? It was very fitting though. Point, <laughs> Tom Hayward, thank you very much and uh good night. Thanks, Jack. Speak later, mate. Hello, hello! Something I can feel. And thank you and a good night, ladies and gentlemen. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com.